thank God for all who have led us in worship today. We are going to conclude a sermon series that is entitled, The Day That Changed Everything. We're talking about various events of the first Easter Sunday, the day Christ arose from the grave. And I want to draw your attention this morning to Luke chapter 24. I'll read verses 36 through 43 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is Concrete Promise. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When my daughter Maggie was two years old, she had several imaginary friends, all of which were animals. There was Paper the dog, PJ the cat, Trudy the bird, and Ronnie the alligator. Sometimes Trudy the bird would fly beside our car as we drove down the road. Sometimes PJ the cat would sit on the couch and watch movies with us. Sometimes Ronnie the alligator would bite people out of nowhere. But Maggie's primary imaginary friend was Paper the dog. Paper was always around. One day, little two-year-old Maggie walked out on the back patio without permission. She was not supposed to go out there unless my wife Dana or I had told her that she could. So when she got back inside, I said, Maggie, did you have permission to go out on the patio? She nodded, yes. I said, who gave you permission? She said, paper. I said, Maggie, you cannot get permission from an imaginary friend. You cannot get permission from a dog, and you definitely cannot get permission from an imaginary dog. It's a fun memory. 
But it was important for us to teach her that imaginary entities do not carry authority. Only real entities do. This is an important consideration when we examine the stories of Eastertide in which the resurrected Christ appears to his disciples. The resurrected Christ is no figment of Christian experience, but a material reality. The resurrected Christ is no product of Christian imagination, but a concrete actuality. More than any other gospel writer, Luke, the beloved physician, emphasizes that Christ was raised from the dead in bodily form. When he appeared to the disciples on the evening of the first Easter, they were initially terrified because they thought he was a ghost. Since he had died the previous Friday, they thought they were seeing a phantom, a spirit, or some sort of apparition. Why are you frightened, he asked, and why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus showed them the scars of crucifixion on his hands and on his feet in order to demonstrate his physical presence. He summoned the disciples to use their physical senses in order to apprehend his tangibility. Touch me and see. The disciples swelled with joy at this, yet remained incredulous. They were thrilled, yet still unbelieving. It's kind of like when somebody finds out they just won a new car, and they're like, oh, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe this. The resurrected Christ seemed too wonderful to be true, too good to be real. So Jesus asked them if they had anything to eat. They gave him a piece of broiled fish left over from dinner, and Jesus proceeded to eat it right there in front of them. This provided clear evidence that the living Christ was no apparition. They watched his resurrected jawbone chew the fish. They watched his resurrected Adam's apple shift in his throat as he swallowed. Eating is a physical act that only embodied beings can perform. According to Luke, the risen Savior could be seen, touched, and heard. John's gospel likewise reports that the resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples and said to Thomas, reach out your hand and put it in my side. It reminds me of 1 John chapter 1. We declare to you what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. Jesus was a concrete, 
Savior, a palpable Messiah, a tangible Redeemer when he arose from the grave. Some view the resurrection of Christ as a metaphor or as a purely spiritual event. But only a bodily resurrection makes sense within the first century Jewish context. To say Jesus had a bodily resurrection is like saying someone had bodily surgery. There's no other kind. As Bible scholar N.T. Wright points out, the meaning of resurrection is the concrete re-embodiment of those who have died. He adds, had Jesus' resurrection been simply a matter of people being aware of his presence, there would not have been a sense of a sequence of resurrection appearances that then stopped. And this is exactly what we have in the New Testament, a series of resurrection appearances that ceased after 40 days' time. According to the Gospels, the risen Christ was touchable, visible, audible, and concrete, yet also could pass through walls, vanish instantaneously, and ascend into heaven. There is tremendous mystery here. Both continuity and discontinuity characterized Christ's resurrected body. There was continuity because he was the same person with the same scars of crucifixion on his hands and his feet. There was discontinuity because his body had become transfigured, renewed, and glorified as the first installment of God's new creation. Resurrection is not resuscitation. It's not the recovery of one's former life after momentarily flatlining. Resurrection occurs when one has died, been buried for a while, and then is raised again to a new life that is palpably physical, yet at the same time powerfully spiritual. Resurrection is not a return to the old world, but a foray into the new world. Resurrection marks the greater life in glory, eternal life in God's new creation. The good news is what God has done for Jesus, God will do for us. Jesus says in John 14, because I live, you also will live. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. In other words, Christ was raised bodily from the grave as a forerunner of our own resurrection to everlasting life, as a foretoken of our own bodily resurrection from the clutches of the grave. The physical nature of Christ's resurrection indicates that God saves not only souls, but also bodies. Christ healed people who were sick during his public ministry because bodies matter to God. And Christ was raised from the dead bodily to show that God saves the whole person, not just 
part, as recording artist Carolyn Arend writes, the God who made bodies loves them and has truly wonderful plans for them. We sometimes imagine the afterlife as an ethereal existence with floating babies, angels playing harps, and translucent souls levitating among the clouds. But the resurrection to everlasting life will be physical as well as spiritual. The bodies we have now, the thumbs and toes, flesh and bones, eyes and ears of our current existence, will carry over in the final resurrection of the dead, our bodies will be transfigured into perfect, everlasting, spiritual bodies in continuity with the shoulders, kneecaps, and foreheads we have right now. Examine the lines on your poem, and you'll get a preview of the hand that will be yours in the resurrection to everlasting life. Take a look in the mirror and you'll see a foreshadowing of the face that you will have in the everlasting life. Bible scholar Esau Macaulay writes, Jesus was raised with his brown Middle Eastern Jewish body. When my body is raised, it will be a black body, one that is honored alongside bodies of every hue and color. The bodily resurrection of Christ is not to be taken as a quirk of religious literalism, but rather as a concrete promise that God's salvation encompasses the renewal of our bodies. No disease, injury, or violence our bodies suffer is greater than God's power to restore them. No weariness, pain or weakness our bodies have will have the final word. No deficiency, defect, or deterioration in our bodies will spell their ultimate end. Just as Christ's body died and then was resurrected, so shall our bodies be. Just as Christ's body expired and later rose again, so shall our bodies. God will resurrect us with a body that is recognizably ours, yet fully restored. A body that is identifiably ours, yet gloriously transfigured. A body that is familiar, yet optimized, beautifully perfected for everlasting life in the new creation. When Christ appeared to his disciples on the evening of the first Easter and exhibited his hands and his feet and ate fish in their presence, he was confirming the beginning of the end of death. He was confirming the beginning of the end of history. He was confirming the beginning of the inbreaking of God's new creation. We who believe in the bodily resurrection can live into God's new creation here and now. We can live in love despite the prominence of antagonism. We can live in joy despite the pervasiveness of anxiety. We can live in truth despite the prevalence of falsehood. We can live in peace 
despite the chaos of this stressful world, we can live with assurance of salvation amid the unending worries that plague this present age. For Christ's resurrected body is a concrete promise that God's new creation has dawned. Christ's resurrected body is a concrete promise that God's ultimate kingdom is breaking in. Christ's resurrected body is a concrete promise that the divine renewal of all things is underway. A concrete promise is something we can count on, something we can live into, especially coming from someone we trust. It's one thing when someone talks about the prospect of taking you to see a show. Have you ever seen that show? It's a great show. We'll go sometime. But it's another thing when they hand you a ticket to it. And you see that ticket. And you feel it in your hand. That's a concrete promise. It's one thing when your uh, sweetheart talks about getting married someday. Who would you want in the wedding party? What venue would you like for the reception? Would you want an outdoor ceremony or indoor? But it's another thing when their knee hits the ground and they hand you a shiny ring and you see it sparkle and you feel it slide across your knuckle onto your finger, that's a concrete promise. It's one thing when Christ says, because I live, you also will live. But it's another thing when he rises from the dead on the third day and displays his hands and feet and says, it is I myself, touch me and see. That's a concrete promise. It's one thing when Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, shall live. But it's another thing when he rises from the grave and appears to his disciples and eats a broiled fish right there in front of them and, and says, reach out your hand and put it in my side. That's a concrete a promise. Christianity is not built on abstractions, but on concrete events, concrete things, concrete promises. The water of baptism is a concrete promise that our sins are washed away. The bread and the cup are a concrete promise that divine grace has been extended to us through the death of Jesus Christ. The resurrected body of our Lord and Savior is a concrete promise of God's inbreaking kingdom, a concrete promise of God's glorious new creation, a concrete promise of our own resurrection to everlasting life when God shall restore our bodies and God shall make all things new and God will wipe every tear from our faces. This is a concrete promise we can count on. For the one who made it is faithful and true and is sure to come through for us. Amen. At this time, we have the opportunity to come to the table of the Lord and receive concrete promises of grace. We invite all with faith in Jesus Christ to partake with us
as we prepare our hearts for the holy meal at this time.